Now here we go. The regular season is over. And the top-seeded Utah Jazz are set to make their NBA playoff run. Hear every second of every moment of Jazz playoff basketball. Right here on your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Every day on The Big Show. What? Gordon and what? Jake want to keep you up to date on all the action, all the newsmakers, and all the big opinions on the Zone Sports Network. This is What's Going On on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Oh, what's going on? Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you about our friends at uh, Premium Wave Therapy. You have heard about Acoustic Wave for ED and how it is an effective treatment to help nearly all men. There is now a physician-owned clinic here in Salt Lake. Learn how they are unique by visiting premierwave.com for more information and to learn uh, about a special offer. Uh, Gordon, it's time for What's Going On, where we check in with the other shows on the Zone Sports Network. Obviously, a lot of jazz basketball conversation. Uh, the, uh, DJ and PK, every Monday morning, they talk to Steve Cleveland. Uh, they've done this for a few years now. By the way, Coach Cleve is great. He is good. He's he's really good. Can't mm-hmm. miss on uh, on Monday mornings. He, he uh, obviously is great when it comes to the collegiate world and, uh, and the NBA as well. Uh, but here's Steve Cleveland talking about the jazz. I'm curious what you think about the Warriors. I mean, they, they sit in eighth, obviously with a playing tournament. The Jazz may not get them, but I think there's a decent chance they will. Wiseman, uh, his last game was April 10th against Houston, and they won because Houston uh, you know, is a disaster at this point in the season. So Wiseman's done for the year at that point, and the Warriors go 15-5 and five in their final 20 games. Is it as easy as saying there's a young guy who just defensively and offensively just couldn't read stuff on the fly and was a step slow and it really hurt them and now they're a much better team and 15-5 and five suggests they might be able to do some serious damage in the playoffs. Are we over selling the Warriors or do you think that's true? Uh, you know, I don't think we're overselling the Warriors when Probably the MVP, you know, I mean, could, could, I mean he's maybe not going to get the award, but I mean, Steph Curry is is had just a spectacular year, and I think Draymond Green has really got comfortable with this kind of point forward position. And to me, there are a lot of people involved, but has Wiggins had a better year in the NBA than he's had this year? No, I'm not necessarily saying statistically, but he seems he's like he's in a really, really, really good place. And he's a talent. I, I, I believe was he the number one pick? He was in, in, coming yeah. out of the draft. Cleveland, yeah. twenty fourteen, number one pick. Yeah, and the influence I think of Green and uh, and, and Curry around him and, and Coach Kerr and, and others, uh, it, it's it's just been really really cool to see. And, and that guy has uh, really taken the wrath of the media over the years and underachieved. And you know he gets into a new environment. And uh, all of a sudden, with a good culture, and there's not all that nonsense, and he gets, and, and it just brings the best out of him. So 
I mean, he's a guy that can go 20-25 on any given night, and he's not forcing it. He's letting it come to him. He's playing with experienced guys. I, I think, for me, uh, certainly, you know, you're, you, Curry and, and Draymond are the kind of the foundation of that team from leadership perspective, but Wiggins, I think, has been really, really special. And I, uh, I mean, they've got obviously a, 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 a cast of people that not everybody knows, but uh, Baysmore and Poole, they've had, they've had opportunities to come in and, and make a difference. I mean, they've just kind of done it piece by piece and put it in together, but Seth has been incredible. But I, I really believe that Wiggins has had a great year, and uh, he, needs, he needs credit for that, too. I mean, all the abuse he's taken over the years, that he's underachieved. He's had a, this is his best year in the NBA as far as I'm concerned. So it was clear the Clippers wanted to finish in fourth. They did not want to finish third. If that's uh, seating purposes or whatnot, whatever that might be, and because they didn't play their stars the last couple of ball games, I, what's your thought on far as kind of adjusting where you want to be as opposed to trying to win as many games as you can and let the chips fall? Well... <laughs> I'm sure the Clippers don't want to play the Lakers, you know, immediately, and and that and then kind of that uh, that process that they went through kind of eliminated that. Um, you know, I've, I've never been in a situation where you know you're not playing your guys. You're, I mean, I've just I've just never been in a situation where we're going to rest our guys tonight, and make sure they're ready for the end two A's. So that's not something my mindset has ever been able to wrap around. But it is something that's very common in the NBA, and. Uh, you know what? Uh, they've had guys hurt. I mean, a lot of people hurt this year uh, due to probably playing three and four games a week and whatever all the other circumstances are. So, you know, protecting guys uh, and then also the benefit of getting in the right bracket and getting in the right spot, um, you know, it works. I, I don't I, – I guess, I guess the Clippers are going to probably play the Mavs. I don't, I don't, I don't know what the matchups have been during the year. I really haven't studied that. Um, but, at, but at the end of the day – uh, the, you know, the Clippers probably like the idea of playing the Mavs and then having Utah in the second round if, uh, uh, if you know, they feel like they can beat both those teams to get to the finals. And then if it's the Lakers or, you know, Denver or whoever it might be, Portland, um, they feel like they haven't had to just go through, uh, you know, barrier of walls to get to the finals. I, I, I think that's probably what they're thinking. Um, and, you know, Utah's sitting on a 3-1 lead last year. They've got that on their mind. They're very focused. They're, you know, they're going to be ready to go and, and uh, you know, playing if, if Golden State and Utah play, you know what, that, that's not going to be an easy test. I mean, you, you've got veteran guys, and uh, I don't know where uh, Donovan Mitchell is and what his circumstances are. He's ready to go. I mean, I see Utah in a situation where they, they you know, they got to get to the finals. They, to, for Utah to validate what they're doing, you know, beating Golden State is obviously something that can happen. Beating the Clippers, I, you know, I, I believe that Utah has uh, chemistry and talent and enough shooters to beat the Clippers, and the Clippers have been up and down anyway. So I think Utah's in the right bracket and, uh, and a, a chance to get, get to the, you know, the Western Finals. So, uh, yeah, the idea of not playing guys to get to a certain bracket. I, I guess that's just the world we live in. I just never lived in that world before. I mean, you're trying to win every game. 
All right, there you go. That's uh, Steve Cleveland giving his thoughts on uh, on the playoffs. And he had a thought like Coach Chiesa did. You know, this is the, the old school coach. They don't like the, the shenanigans when it comes to losing on purpose. I don't like it either. And be careful what you hope for because things could – I'm telling you, the Clippers were maneuvering. I mean, they lost to the Thunder and the Rockets? Yeah. How do you even do that? Those are two teams that aren't trying to win. You don't play your guys, and you honestly lose on purpose. I mean, watch the end of that game last night. The the Clippers were losing on purpose. They were letting their guys go to the basket on purpose. I I hope. I mean, I just, that's despicable to me. I don't like it. Don't like it at all. And I hope it does backfire on them. We were talking off the air about this. Maybe we bring this on the air, what uh, people think. Uh, would If you were the Jazz, would you rather play Golden State or the Mavericks? And uh, you were asking me off the air what the Jazz did against the Mavericks this year. They won two out of three. And the they one, lost that last one, right? Uh, the one game they lost, they lost 111 to 103 on Monday, April 5th. Yeah. Oh, well, luck. I mean, it's, again, I remember one year the Jazz lost to the Lakers in all the regular season games. I'm almost certain it was the Lakers. And then they beat them in the playoffs. The Jazz beat them in the playoffs. So, I mean, I'm not sure there's always a connection between what happens in the regular season and what happens in the playoffs in individual matchups. But I also remember when the Jazz remember when the Jazz beat the Lakers almost beat the Lakers in that game seven and then they turned around uh, the next year and everyone thought the Jazz uh, not everyone but many people were picking the Jazz as a dark horse to go all the way and and they lost in the first round to Golden State. I think that was a Don Nelson team if I remember yeah. correctly. Mm-hmm. Was it or was it uh No, it was Don Nelson still. Was it? Mm-hmm. Anyway. It was, it was uh, run, uh, run D, what, what, run, run TM, it was DMC? run TMC, <laughs> but instead of Mitch Richmond, it was Chris Weber, right? Am I getting that right? Anyway. So if things don't always uh, work out the way you think they're going to work out, and I, I think that's a dangerous game to play, and I think you are sending a negative message to your team that we don't think that you can do this, uh, as opposed to just powering straight through. And then taking on all comers, uh, but that, that you know, it's not me with my you know fortune on the line. It's them, and they're I guess maneuvering any which way they think. I just don't like it. I think it's competitively corrupt. But would you uh, just to that question real quick? Would you rather, uh, if you were the Jazz, would you rather play Dallas or Golden State? I think they both offer challenges. I agree, but in, which one? In different ways. I really, I think you could throw a hat over either one of them. I don't think I, I think they both present challenges. They both have great players. They both yeah, I mean most people I think would probably say Dallas would be the pre- preference. I would absolutely say Dallas because if you don't play defense, you're not going to win in the playoffs historically. And Dallas doesn't play any defense. And Golden State does. And Golden State does. Could be. And if you want to look at why the Jazz lost last year in the playoffs to the Nuggets, they didn't play defense. They're a much better defensive club this year. All true. I can't wait. I can't wait because the, the, the thing about it is that everything changes because now everything is being poured into every game. 
and that changes the dynamic. During the regular season, you know, you're just coming off a game against someone else, and you turn around and you play this team, and you're not fully ready for it because no humans can be. But in this case, everybody's dialed in, everyone's preparing, everyone's adjusting and then readjusting and adjusting again. Um, it's, it's, it's fascinating because, Jake, I've said it a thousand times, and I think you know this, uh, that I, I love raw competition. I love to see teams go out there and do everything possible to win and pour everything into games and series. And that's what happens in the NBA playoffs, and that's why it's so much fun to watch. I like the teams that loaf it. <laughs> well, who loafs it in the playoffs? Nobody. Well, that's why you accused me of not liking playoffs earlier. No, no. I, you, I just, no, I just no, love loafing. No. I love teams that loaf it. No, Go out you, there you, and loaf it. I'm going to no, watch it. No, 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 no. You don't like the playoffs because you don't like a team getting credit for being the best when they get hot for a few weeks at the end of the year. That bothers you. Well, just don't call them the best. <laughs> call them the winner. Call them the champion. Well, that, that, that's not always the best. If you are best. the winner and you are the champion, then you are the best. Not necessarily. I think so. Well, you're wrong, but we don't need to go back down this road <laughs> okay. again. All right. Uh, let's uh, move on to Hans and Scotty uh, discussing uh, the, uh, the jazz situation and how tough the Lakers would be. So we've got two sample sizes of LeBron James back on the court since injuring his ankle, coming back on the court, and re-aggravating the ankle, and then back on the court. So we've, we've got two sample sizes. Uh, a game against Indy, and then a game against last night against New Orleans. And in those games, he had 22 attempts in both those games. He went 22 of 44 from the field. In, the, in, in those yeah. games combined, 22 of 44. Didn't take a lot of threes. It was two of five from three last night. But he ended up with 25 points in the game against New Orleans and 24 points in the game against Indy. Six assists against New Orleans last night, eight assists against Indy. He was moving around pretty well. And, you know, if, if you see it, the minute restrictions, are it was there, 28 minutes against Indy, 27 minutes against New Orleans. But LeBron, I kind of feel like when LeBron's on the court, LeBron is just going to push himself until things break. Yeah. Do you, you get that feeling? Uh, like, I, okay, so you put LeBron on the court. He's not going to he's not going to be ginger with that ankle. No, he's going and, to push it. And that's why he's either going to play or he's not going to play. He's going to play and give 100% effort or I think he'll just be like I'm not going to play. It's not worth it. And I think he plays because I think he is very concerned with his legacy. And he's either remember two years ago when he wasn't playing and he was beat up and they and the Lakers missed the playoffs. Mm -hmm. You know who knows if he could have gone, but he's not like I'm not going to waste my reputation and my legacy mm -hmm. to get bounced in the first round if I'm not a if I'm not healthy and I feel like we can win. Now look, he may look at the Jazz honestly or Phoenix and say I can carry my team to a win over that team. Okay, but you you I'll get all the calls. You bring up a good point because. LeBron has to feel like this team is capable, or he is capable of winning this championship with this team. He's got to feel that way. Otherwise, there's going to be an excuse. Yeah. He has to believe that he can win with this roster. Yeah. 
and win with this team. And I think it's going to be really hard to do with this roster and this team. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a difficult situation. That's why it wouldn't surprise me if you saw an announcement later in the week where LeBron's not healthy enough to go. But if he does go, it does mean he thinks he can win and he's going to – because LeBron doesn't half-A it when he goes out there on the court. Right. That's just not in his DNA. I just wonder – I wonder with this team. Now, I think one thing that has been maybe a little bit understated uh, and one thing that – people need to look at i did not expect dennis schroeder to be back yeah schroeder uh i didn't he expect like, him to be back played but, like 26 minutes i want to say uh t- last night yeah 29 29 yeah and then he had 27 minutes the other night against um uh da, 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 the pacers yeah so that's a bit of a surprise to have schroeder back on the court because I, I really thought that that was a season ending injury um back in April. But he's back. So it, so LeBron has to believe it, and I think he's starting to believe it. And I actually think the Lakers are becoming a little bit more dangerous and a little bit more capable. Yeah. And if – so, okay, to answer your question, Scotty, if Schroeder gave me 28 good minutes that Dennis Schroeder can do defensively when he's, when he's really after it, if LeBron can give you 30 to 32 LeBron-like minutes, even yeah. 85, 90%, and Anthony Davis can just be what he is, and whether you're you know, whatever you're doing with Gasol, but you're giving that time to Drummond, the Lakers have me, okay, I'm talking this much nervous, like, Oh, Lakers have me ter- terrified. I'm, I've got about a half inch to an inch between my pointer finger and my thumb. That, that's how I'm, I'm not shaking in my boots like it's theirs to win. But at some point, you might have to see the Lakers. It's the Lakers. I mean, it's they're LeBron. A pro- it's LeBron. They're a problem. And again, I'm not going conspiracy theory on officials. They're going to get every call. The loose ball will somehow seem to go their way in every critical moment in the fourth quarter. That's just what happens with the Lakers and LeBron. It's going to happen. And if the Jazz get them in the first round, it's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be extremely difficult to beat that team because the Jazz have never beaten the Lakers in a seven-game series. This team doesn't know what it's like to, to beat L.A., I mean, sure, you can go to Oklahoma City and you get a big win, but this is the big, bad Lakers with the biggest, baddest player perhaps in the history of the NBA. And uh, mentally, that's, that's a tough thing to overcome. The best thing for all of us is if Golden State beats the Lakers and Memphis finds <laughs> Come on, Memphis. Come on, San Antonio. Let's go. Come on, Golden State. Scotty and Hans talking about uh, the Lakers. I think LeBron will go. I think LeBron's fine. It'd be a tough draw if the Jazz got the Lakers in the first round. I think I agreed more with Scotty than Hans as far as how how difficult the Lakers will be. Uh, I if if LeBron's ready to go and AD's ready to go and Schroeder's playing, uh, th- that team's going to be tough to beat. I'm not saying they're unbeatable, but I I'm telling you. Mark my words. 
the Lakers are going to be good in the playoffs. And they may be the best. I don't know that, but it's certainly a threat. So saith the Magic Vegas predicting wizard. Well, that's what I think. I don't know what the wizard is saying. The wizard is saying, yeah, well, behind the nets. But, I mean, those are just great players. And I know they might be a tad bit shorthanded, but they're good. And (laughs) they're going to be – they're tough. And Hans said he had a half inch between his thumb and his index finger. Uh, I would stretch that out uh, considerably uh, longer than that because they're, they're as tough as anyone in the West. Rudy uh, makes it them the Jazz a difficult matchup for the uh, for the Lakers though. Can't really play Andre Drummond in a series against. I mean, they need to play Anthony Davis against Rudy, and Anthony Davis doesn't want to play center. Uh, why do you say that? Because Anthony Davis brings Rudy out of the paint. And Andre Drummond allows Rudy to sit in the paint. Plus, you have to run the pick and roll with Andre Drummond. That brings that brings Rudy into yeah. the pick and roll, uh, which uh, teams have, have designed entire game plans against Rudy Gobert in the but pick if and you roll. But if you have LeBron and then you have AD and then you have Drummond, uh, that creates a whole lot of people for Rudy Gobert to have to be concerned with. He doesn't have to be concerned about Anthony Davis. That's somebody else's problem. Well, I mean, but... (laughs) Unless Anthony Davis comes into the lane, in which case you've got yourself a crowded lane, which is to the Jazz advantage. Mm, I don't know. I've seen Rudy have to turn around covering three guys at one time, and it usually doesn't end well. Oh, are you kidding? Rudy does that all the time, and it ends well all the... Not when one of the players is LeBron James and another one is AD. We'll see. I know where I'd rather have Rudy Gobert is in the paint against LeBron James, certainly. If he finds himself having to cover all three of those guys, the Jazz are dead meat. In what circumstance would he have to cover all three of those guys? Where if AD beats his man, you know, and, and Rudy has to step up and cover him, and then LeBron is over there. That, that I, Look, I know Rudy Gobert's a great defender, but that that's too much to ask of him. Rudy's been doing it all year, man. Not against that caliber of player. Well, he's done it against the Lakers. Mm, I, I, I think you're wrong on that, Jake. I know that you didn't think Drummond was much of an addition. Still does. But you go back and look at those box scores, at least one of them, I know that that created a real problem with all three of those Oh, you guys mean the going. game when nobody played for well, the Jazz, the I mean, whole team sat? No, no, there I'm was talking, no Rudy or no, Derek Favors? No, I'm talking about the game they played the other night. Um, uh, uh, this is what I'm saying. If they try to play Drummond and Anthony Davis together against the Utah Jazz, that is advantage Jazz. Well, you, I I don't think it is. I don't think it is because okay. it creates too much. Well, I guess we'll see if they end up playing. I, I, I almost guarantee we see Drummond take a back seat if the Jazz play the Lakers. And they'll make Rudy guard Anthony Davis and drag Rudy out of the paint because that's where Rudy is the least effective when he's not sitting in the paint waiting on your shot. Could be. Well, we'll see. I, I just think that's a tough matchup for anybody in the West. And it has nothing to do with any kind of bias toward L.A. or toward the Lakers or anything. I just When you have two of the greatest players in the game on the same team, that's advantage that team. Well, Rudy and Donovan are pretty good. Yeah, they are. Mike Conley's pretty good. Yeah. But 
Rudy, Rudy and Donovan aren't as good as AD and LeBron. Dennis Schroeder isn't as good as Jordan Clarkson. I mean. Yeah, but he's he's a tough cover for the Jazz because of his quickness. So is Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, I mean, we can sit here and argue back and forth as to who would win that series. I'm just telling you, it's going to be tough for anybody who ends up playing the Lakers. All right, we'll have uh, more Big Show coming up next. Stay tuned. Uh, we have some Pac-12 news that we'll uh, we'll get to. It is the Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. We're joined now by our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland. The Jazz are the one seed. They've got the best record in the NBA. If you read a hundred pundits, how many of the hundred do you think would pick the Jazz to win it all? I'm saying none. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought you were going to say. This is a confident group, and we can think of a lot of reasons why they wouldn't consider the Jazz a team that could do that, but nobody plays together better than that deep place. There's not going to be a lot of love and respect. You know what? It'll become an amazing story when they're in the finals and playing and doing things that people never thought they could do, and they're capable of it. I don't know if it's about a big market or whatever the nature of that thing is, but at the end of the day, anybody who watches the game knows this is a really, really good basketball team. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. What time is it? It's half past the hour and time to talk Utah Jazz. Oh, Donovan! This is your Jazz at 30 update, presented by Syringa Networks. Working from home or with a hybrid workforce? Get a powerful IT partner with Syringa Networks. Call 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. Ring the 30-point bell. Bell, bell. Bottom of the hour jazz update brought to you by our friends at Syringa Networks. Jazz beat the Kings last night, 121 to 99. They finished the season an NBA best 52 and 20, sealing up the number one seed in the Western Conference playoffs. Jazz coach Quinn Snyder talks about what it means to have home court advantage throughout. If opening at home means that we win, I'm great with it. So I think that's going to be first and foremost on our minds. I've thought a number of times, like, man, it'd be great to have people in the stands. And we've had some of that, you know, but you're picturing and remembering our fans and, you know, in Vivint, their support, you know, enthusiasm and those things that drive you. That's been one thing that's come into my mind a few times this year. Like, hey, gosh, it'd be great because we, we, you could share it, you know, and everybody gets to share in this so to the extent that you know that's going to be the case here in the playoffs and it's great that we have an opportunity but i I think all of our fans would also agree that we want to win no matter where we're playing so the jazz likely will have a week off uh starting their playoff run next sunday we do not know who they will play however as uh wednesday the play-in games begin uh the spurs will take on the grizzlies the warriors take on the lakers Uh, The winner of the Lakers-Warriors will get the seventh seed. The loser will go on to face the winner of the Spurs-Grizzlies for the eighth seed. Now here we go. The regular season is over. And the top-seeded Utah Jazz are set to make their NBA playoff run. Hear every second of every moment of Jazz playoff basketball right here on your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
bought my wife with another man And it cost me 99 On a prison farm in Georgia Close to the Florida line Well, I've been here for two long years I finally made the warden my friend Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Uh, The Pac-12 CEO group has met, Gordon, and we've got some news. Um, uh, A rule change, this is the most uh, significant rule change to come today. The elimination of Pac-12 intra-conference transfer rule. Uh, The unanimous decision removes the requirement that all undergraduate transfers within the conference serve one academic year in residence at their new institution before being permitted to compete. Moving forward, the eligibility of interconference transfers will be governed by NCAA legislation. The decision is effective immediately for all transfers entering their second conference institution in the fall of 2021 and only applies to first time uh, an undergraduate student athlete decides to transfer. Okay, so basically, what this is is uh, the the conferences have their own rules uh, pertaining to their conferences. This is them aligning themselves for with what's happening in right. the NCAA. Yes, and this was waived all the time anyway. But sometimes not uh, bitter coaches would would yeah. hang on to it, right? Occasionally, we saw that find some reason to find a snag somewhere. to uh, to not release them to be eligible immediately. So this uh, basically is is where uh, unfortunately collegiate sports are going. I I think it's a bit of freedom. You think it's going to ruin sports for no. colleges? Well, but. I don't know about ruin sports. It's going to change. It's going to change the way we uh, we watch college sports. I mean, you're going to have no idea who's on what team, but maybe you make the argument that that's happening already. But whatever. I don't think it's. Good. Are, were you against free agency in general in pro sports? I think pro sports is a little bit different. But, I mean, the concept is the, you know, you commit to going to a university for four years. It's similar to signing a four-year contract. But the thing isn't even valid for four years in a lot of cases. Well, in the NBA, you can't just decide one day in the middle of your contract to go somewhere else. Yeah, but in the NBA, you can't run somebody off a team. Sure you can. Well, yeah, but they still get paid. Yeah, what about the NFL? Well, I'm I'm just talking about you can't in college, you can, a guy can get run off. So what if he signed a deal? Doesn't matter. In the NFL, he can get run off. Well, yeah, but I I don't agree with that. It's a one way street. It should be two way street. Okay, just my opinion. Well, I think if you commit to a university, you should uh, you know should adhere univers- to that commitment. Should the university commit to you? They do commit to no, you. They, they give you a free education. They can run you off after one year. Okay. So, so how is that being committed to them? Well, they're not putting you in jail. You could leave. <laughs> so the so what you're saying is the athlete should be committed to four years, but the coach and the institution is not. I, they, I'm not against transferring, but I think there should be a deterrent to transferring. Yeah, I think it's it's not good for the sport just to have willy-nilly transferring. I don't think it's good. Hmm. All right. Well, I think it's fair. How so? Because before the institution could run a kid off, now the institute the kid can run the, the the institution off and go somewhere else. It's the institution's program, but it's the kid who. So you're you're requiring a commitment from the kid, but not from the school. 
Uh, the school commits to a kid. No, it doesn't. It gives them a scholarship Not for, for a year. four years. So. <laughs> okay. I, you and I just talk past each other on this one because that seems unfair to me if that's the way it were to stay. Well, what about what's good for the sport? I, I really don't care what's good for the sport because what's good for it's also good for the sport that that players can be paid virtually nothing or get a, maybe a scholarship and that's it while other people are pocketing millions of dollars. Who is pocketing millions of dollars? Coaches, institutions, institutions everybody, are pocketing everybody, millions everybody, of dollars. Everybody but the players. The players get plenty of value in return. This is another place that, that you and I do not meet. I do not believe that college athletes are being exploited. I do not believe that. Well, I, I got, do not believe that read, they are uncompensated. I've got to read you an email I got from a former football player. At, I believe it was football player at one of the local schools, major schools in town. And he, last time you and I got in this conversation, he was so angry at you that he texted me or tweet. I mean, sorry, emailed me to voice his displeasure, and I'm looking for it right now. Uh, let me see. Why didn't Jan just text you? <laughs> All himself, right. Jake. Okay, here it is. Uh, I, this is. I won't give the name of the player, but he said. I'm, li Jorgensen. I'm listening to the show today, and you started out by asking people to send an advice for to you or Jake. You remember when I brought that up. I always hear Mr. Scott mentioning the fact that student-athletes at the college level receive a free education in the form of an athletic scholarship. As a former collegiate athlete who played at a particular school, one of the major schools here, the one thing I can honestly say that I learned is that a college scholarship is anything but free. Will you please tell Mr. Scott that the so-called free education that he speaks of so cavalierly is paid for by every college student-athlete on scholarship with what is known as sweat equity. <laughs> No, I. You know what? I. It's. It's funny. I totally agree with that. It's their, their. They work for their scholarship. Yes. When I mean, we can get caught up in buzzwords like free education, but it's it's trade. Yeah, and it's it, you go it, play. It, you go play for the institution, and it works and out. You're to compensated. About a, it works out to about a buck an hour to these these people. I disagree with that. The earning potential that you're given with uh, education. Higher education, and by the way, something that uh, normal students are are willing to pay thousands and thousands of dollars for, they mortgage their futures for. Jake, the institutions are pocketing millions, and in some cases, billions collectively. There's not just some guy in a smoke filled room who's who sniff or has a snifter of bourbon, laughing about uh, how much money they're putting into their oh, pocket. Are you kidding me? That's what they're. That's what's been going on for years. No, it's not. They turn it right around in athletic budgets. Have you seen well, the budget uh, for okay, okay, but, Utah, but, Utah Athletic but Department but budgets? They're, they're still making millions of dollars. They're not making they millions. Of, they're spending what they make, and they're spending it on the program. They're spending it on themselves. No, they're not. Yes, they are. No, look into yes. it. No, they're not. Who who is coming away in the institution with with millions of dollars how, in their how pocket? How much money does Kyle Whittingham make every year? You're talking about the coach. I know. That's part of it. 
He's part of the institution. He's being paid by the institution. You said the institutions are putting millions of dollars into their pockets. Most athletic departments do not operate in the black. And I mean most, mm. like 75 to 80% most. Are you sure about that? Go look in the, in the, the, and most, how about this? Most have to be uh, uh, financially supplemented. What am I looking for here? Uh, by the government, by state governments. You look at P5 schools. Yeah. And they're making 50-some million dollars a year based on television contracts alone per institution. And that doesn't even include attendance or concessions or anything else that they and get they here. Spend, and they spend that money and more. Go look how much money they're getting I, for University I, of Utah Athletic Department alone is getting from the state. Utah State gets it. You and I. Have Utah been State gets you, their recruiting and, budget and what, from the state. The, and what do the athletes get? A boost in life. Oh, come on. What do you mean? Come on. I I I think there is a lot of value there, and the fact that people don't is really is really crazy to me. I mean, I it, can tell you weren't a college athlete because had you been one, you would understand more what I'm talking about. I can tell you have never had to struggle out from under a student loan. <laughs> I'm just telling because you. Because I'll tell you that, what, that, that is really something. Many, many of these athletes, uh, what do you think Zach Wilson was worth to BYU? You have an answer, Mike. Go ahead. I, I'm just telling you, he was worth a lot. Okay. And he got enough for stipend and uh, tuition and books and housing. And the platform to uh, boost himself in life. He was the number two pick in the draft, if you hadn't noticed. Yeah, I, I just, uh, I'm talking about what's happening when when that service is being provided. Well, that's not what college is about. College is about setting yourself up for success in life. Uh, <laughs> that's a fact. According to you, I'm just telling you that these guys are are offering up all kinds of services uh, that they're they're not being remunerated for, and you you say they are, but I, I oftentimes they're not, oftentimes, not in the same measure. I think they've got they've got a pretty good opportunity. This is one of those topics, Jake, that you and I are just going to always agree to disagree on. And I know that there are a lot of fans out there who feel the way you do because they're fans of their the team they love. But you talk to the individual athletes and, and the commitment that it takes for them and the sacrifices they make for that so-called scholarship and that great opportunity, and it is enormous. It is enormous what they, what they pour into that. I'm not saying it's not. Never have. And they should have the freedom to leave if they don't like the situation they're in. And now it seems like the NCAA and schools all around the country are waking up to that. We'll have uh, the Not Sports Report coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Roadside wildflower fight only picked you. Took you home, set you on the counter. Oh, at least a time or two. Maybe she'd have thought it through. Yellow sunset slowly dipping down in the rear view. Oh, how she loved to sit and watch you. 
could have done that a whole lot. It's a big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to get a winner. Uh, be caller 12 right now. It's the Chevy Strong play of the game. Be caller 12, 855 zone Correctly identify the Chevy Strong play of the game announced by DJ and PK this morning at 8.50. Then you'll win a zone prize pack. It's the Chevy Strong play of the game brought to you by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers only here on the Zone Sports Network. Let's get to the Not Sports Board, brought by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? We're going to Florida. Holiday, Florida. Okay. Not Holiday, Utah. Holiday, Florida. All right. So, uh, when was this? This was uh, I, I, just under this last week. A fellow by the name of Mike McCoy, not the former Utah quarterback. But Mike McCoy was walking his eight-month-old chocolate lab, Jake, just through his neighborhood, through his neighborhood in Holiday, Florida, walking along, and suddenly an alligator flew out of a pond and grabbed Jake and went into a death roll with Jake. Let's give this a listen. I'm going to hear it from Mike himself. He'll describe what happened. A man and his dog are both recovering today after a tussle with an alligator. ABC Action News reporter Eric Waxler explains the extreme action that man took to get his dog back. Jake is always happy to greet visitors, even after an alligator tried to have him for breakfast. He's on the man. He's full spitting vinegar today. Mike McCoy was walking Jake yesterday near this pond right behind Paul R. Smith Middle School in Holiday when a gator sprang out of the water and pulled the dog under. He was in a death roll with that old gator. Teacher Kelly Mallon happened to be looking out the window from the second floor and saw it all. It was kind of like a snake darting really fast. A snake darks real fast and puts their head back. It was super fast. She also watched as Mike jumped into the water. I got around, thumbed him in the eye, picked him off the ground, picked him out of the water so he couldn't get anywhere until he let the dog go. And in the interim, he decided, well, okay, I don't have him. I'll bite you. Owner and dog both got stitches, but thankfully nothing worse. The school nurse even helped bandage Mike up. I, I, I couldn't be worse. Florida Fish and Wildlife tells ABC Action News they estimate the gator to be between 7 and 9 feet long. They are working with a trapper to remove the alligator from the pond. They say these kinds of attacks are rare in Florida, but people should be careful near water during the warmer months. Some people may think Mike's crazy for fighting that alligator, but Mike says he didn't think twice about what he did. No hesitation. Uh, it's just the way it, hey, nice. No, it's just the way it is. In Holiday, Eric Waxler, ABC Action News. It's just the way it is. Now, this guy, he's not Pan Man, but he's darn close. I thumbed him in the <laughs> eye. <laughs> Didn't have the dog to bite anymore, so he bit me. I like that line. Would you think if an alligator got your dog, would you think to thumb that alligator right in the eye? Thumbed him in the eye. It's just I, what you do. I, <laughs> it's only natural. Just thumb that alligator. You know, I'd have to give that some thought, but it's something that you need to think about beforehand so that you, you don't have to sit and ponder it in, in yes, the middle of it. Yes, this was actually quick thinking. You're totally right. He knew right to go, right to th- thumb that gator in the eye. Well, apparently he knew what to do, and he, like, lifted the gator up. And- I got around, thumbed him in the eye. <laughs> I mean, this guy's a tough old buzzard. Look at this guy. Thumbed him 
in the eye. I'm t- it's very Pan Man esque. It yeah. is. The, 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 the dramatic pause. It, it, maybe we need to hear Pan Man too. Uh, uh, I got around, thumbed him in the eye. <laughs> and also, another part of this story that is concerning he's walking by a school. <laughs> Which is why they yeah, trapped and, the gator and removed else it. Nobody noticed that part. He's just walking by the middle school. And if, it, if it's going to grab a, a chocolate lab, that's about the size of a middle schooler. Is that? Uh, and remember, there was a tragedy a few years ago. Remember that child who was near? I, I think it was. Uh, it was a resort. It was hotel. Disney World, wasn't it? It was Disney World. Yeah. yeah. So I mean. This is thumbed him. Alligators swimming around in neighborhood pools. Thumbed him in the eye. <laughs> it's not a pool. It's like a reservoir. Well, that's but what yeah. I mean, a pond, uh, whatever. It was. You should yeah. see the dog. Dogs got all these stitches still bouncing around. Both the, of the them. The guy's hand yes. is like half <laughs> right. attached to him. What did he mean when he said I couldn't be worse? I think he said could have been worse. Oh, it could have been worse. Okay, yeah. all right. I was gonna say. Could have been a lot worse. It could have been worse. But yeah. now, see, now we all know, and our listeners know too. You ever, you know, Gator ever gets your dog right for the eye? Thumb him in the eye. Thumb and him. Lift him out of the water. Thumb him in the eye. <laughs> Is that the official term of the move? Thumbed him. Is that like in the karate handbook? Well, there's I, the thumbed him move. Do you think it took him a couple of jabs, or do you think he got it like right? Yeah, what, on? Is, what is a thumb? No, is it just a, with the a quick, a quick in and out? Oh, no, you stick it in there. I you scoop? You, yeah. I, I think you got to keep the pressure up. Thumbed him. I think you got to make and, it. And look, I'm not next to him. Disregard any eye. But if anybody ever gets attacked by anyone or by anything, it's probably not a bad idea. Go for the eye with your thumb. Thumb him. Yeah. The, the thumb is a little sturdy, sturdier than the other yeah, digits. because if you get jabbed in the eye, I don't care what your intention <laughs> is prior to, you're going to be thinking about your eye. So should should we now, in preparation of, of possible a self-defense situation, should we start yes. growing out the fingernail a little bit? <laughs> On the thumb. Well, On the, just the, the thumbnail. Just the thumb. I'm just telling you, if you're, if you're ever attacked by a gator, a dog, a, a, a person— Make sure Thumpkin's ready to go. Work your hand around and get that thumb right in that eyeball. And I'm telling you, take it from Mike McCoy. I got around, thumbed him (laughs) in the eye. (laughs) Lifted him out of the water so he wasn't going anywhere? You want that gator? You lifted a nine-foot alligator out of the water! You want that gator thinking, hey, I'm either going to eat this tasty snack or I'm going to lose my eye. (laughs) Did he lose the eye? You would, I mean, if he thumbed him... Wouldn't that do permanent damage to the eyeball? And these gators, they got big eyes. I mean, look at that, Jake. I come around just like that, just like. Nobody's paying, man. I mean, that's. Reached back about six feet away and got this pitchfork. Then I went to work on him. <laughs> them in the eye. Thumbed him in the eye. Thumbed him in the eye. Now, I bet if, if uh, Mike McCoy had a skillet. What is it? Number four skillet. Number, number two. two. Number two skillet. Yeah. Red hot. I bet he would have uh, gone with that as opposed to the thumb. But you gotta, you gotta play the hand you're dealt. You know. <laughs> Some one guy has a skillet and a pitchfork. The other has a good th- solid Just thumb. A thumb. Thumbed him. <laughs> right in the I wonder, eye. I wonder if these guys are related. Oh, Maybe. they sound like it. All right, we'll have more coming up next. Don't forget, Sarah Todd of the Deseret News will join the show at 5.30. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I got around, thumbed him in the eye. 
Lobbed to Rudy. Oh, he packed it with the right hand. Produce three all-stars. Check. Oh, Donovan Mitchell. Earn the best record in the NBA in the top spot in the West. You are fabulous. Check and check. The regular season is over, and now the number one seeded Utah Jazz begin their quest for an NBA title. Let's go! When the Jazz take the court in the NBA playoffs, you'll hear every second of every game on your exclusive home. Welcome home of the Utah Jazz. 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Okay.